Hello, and welcome to episode 96 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're a source for drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. Yep. Basically, we're just regular dudes drinking some irregular beers, talking about Magic the Gathering, in particular, the online client MTG Arena. And we're back. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. I was just shooting a movie the last few weeks, and it gets really hard to record because I have to be at work at uh, 5.30 in the morning. So usually I try not to drink beer really late at night. Yeah, luckily I was sick anyways a couple of weeks ago. Had some time to get over it this way without... Uh, without also without drinking beer late at night, so. <laughs> perfect it worked out and it works especially out because the new set the brothers war has just come to arena and so we get to talk about our first sips or our first thoughts on the set yes one of my favorite episodes love these but first each week we both bring a beer we drink jeff's then drink mine rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic and choose the best for last so with that jeff what's on tap all right. This week I've brought High Grass. This is a beer from Second Wedge Brewing Co. You might remember them from the past couple episodes we've done. Um, and what really caught my eye about this is that it's a lemongrass ginger saison. <laughs> so uh, I love saisons. I think more people should make them. Um, but there's like, I, people are a little hesitant about them, rightfully so, because some of them can get pretty funky. But as like a general style, it's pretty amenable, and so I think people should sort of use it as their flagship more often. Um, but all that aside, um, the lemongrass and the ginger is what's really cool here. Uh, actually, maybe I should have been drinking this while I was sick, you know, <laughs> I feel better with all that ginger and lemongrass. Uh, I'm interested to see how this goes, because you it's a delicate balance here, because these are powerful flavors that you don't want to like overtake your beer mm -hmm. but at the same time it should taste it i want to get that thai sort of aroma and taste from the lemongrass and the the ginger so it mm -hmm. has to be there but it, it it would be really easy to like overpower your beer with ginger so i'm expecting it to be kind of like tea flavors um just with lemongrass ginger is a very common tea flavor uh so mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Um, is this some sort? Is this like a joke? High grass? Is that like from um, what was it? Jurassic Park, Lost World. Lost World. Oh, what's what's the second one where the Velociraptors are in the high grass and they're like, "Stay out of the high grass." Is that a thing? Maybe they, maybe they called it tall grass. Anyway, <laughs> that's the first thing it's I think way about. Too long. I just think about Velociraptors, but remember that they're like a trail-based uh, right. brewery or whatever. Yes. So. It might be a term for in hiking. Yeah, this is where you shouldn't go because you should be on the trail at all times. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't go in the high grass because that's where things lurk and bite you slash you ruin the delicate ecosystem. Anyway. That's right. We have some magic news. Uh, like I said before, Brothers War came out last week. So we've had it for one whole week, which is awesome. The other cool thing that's happening right now is that on MTG Arena, instead of updating on Thursdays, they are now updating on Tuesdays. Now, yes, this didn't seem like a really big deal, probably to most people, but to us, this is extremely exciting <laughs> because that also means that the weekly reports are on Mondays and we record our podcast on Mondays and then everything comes out on Tuesday. It's fantastic. 
I'm just so excited about this change. We said before, <laughs> Wizards needs to listen to our podcast and know that we need them to change their the way they do things. And they they listened and they did. So give got to give them props for listening to the consumers. Uh, thank you. Yeah, exactly. It was definitely uh, all us mm-hmm. that caused this change. So it definitely was. Thanks, Wizards. Uh, the cool thing, though, is that that means now that we will get the release uh, on Arena earlier than before where it's usually on Thursday, which is like a day before the site comes out. Now it's the Tuesday. Yay! Uh, so I'm very excited by that. As well as there are some sweet events that they had when um, everything got released. The midweek magic, the like the day the set released, was Phantom Sealed, which is exactly what you want to have. That was awesome. It's like, hey, you don't have to pay anything, and you get to play Sealed and practice it. You don't get to keep the cards, but you can play the new cards without having any money in your account at all. Mm, that was yeah, that was cool. really nice. So uh, we'll try to tell you more about those events as they come up because they're uh, they're really fun. Free things are great. Agreed. Though speaking about sealed, uh, the arena open is going to be happening this weekend, November twenty sixth and twenty seventh. It will be sealed day one and then draft on day two. But this is also just the beginning of a bunch of sealed events because then the qualifier weekend in December, uh, the weekend is December tenth and eleventh is sealed, and both of the like the play-ins are both sealed. So a lot of limited magic sealed specifically for our bro set. So I guess play seals, get better at it. Now, Zach, have we double checked that it's brother's war sealed <laughs> or is it like, or is his saga sealed? It's, it said brother's war. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I don't think we're going to have, uh, the weird shenanigans we had with the last arena open where it was dominaria. It's dominaria. Regular. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it will be the brother's war, which is really exciting. Um, it, I don't know. It makes me more excited to, to actually play it because I would want to play a, a competitive limited event, usually more than uh, constructed ones. But at the same time, I will probably be drafting more than sealed because draft you can pay with gold. Sealed you have to spend gems, so that kind of sucks. I mean, generally what you learn in draft is it's like transferable to the sealed format. Mm-hmm. So you can draft a whole bunch and then right before the event, play a couple of seals to like determine the pace of sealed versus draft. But like what cards are good and what archetypes are good is often similar. The same. That's true. That's true. With that, Jeff, do you want to jump into the set? How does it feel for you? How are you liking it? How is it going? Good. I want to say the first thing that really strikes me is... <clears throat> I just think they did a great job with the flavor. Mm -hmm. Like when you play this set, it really feels like a war is happening. And this war involves like big robots smashing into each other. And then humans just trying to do whatever they can to like survive this robot war. Um, I think the art is really great. Like magic art is always great. But for whatever reason, this set, I find the art like style Mm -hmm. um, just really... uh, Hitting like, home, very dominaria feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's cons- like what's the uh, the word I'm looking for? Where it's like uh, you cool. feel like you're in it. Immersive. Uh, immersive. Yeah, and uh, you know they just did a great job with it. So 
uh, I haven't played as much of it as I want to, but uh, I'm just like really enjoying. Like I have that. Sometimes you play a set and it's like, okay, I'm playing it because magic is fun, mm-hmm. and this is like this set is also really fun for its own reasons. Yeah. Uh, so it would be one of those sets that I could see myself, uh, even if the like it's actively bad, like, you know, we find out the limited format sucks and like the cards are all busted for constructed. It still might have a place in my heart, you know, as a set yeah. I like. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> as could opposed, be one of those. Yeah, as opposed to other busted sets in the past um, that mm-hmm. don't have a good place like, in your heart. Like the exact opposite of Oath of the Gatewatch. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the set I will hate no matter what. This one's like, you know, I'm going to love this set even if it stinks. Yeah. Uh, I will have to say... So far, it doesn't seem crazy, busted, broken in half like we've been worried about. Now, I don't know how long it takes to figure out whether it's busted in half, but right now, I feel pretty okay about it. I don't know. We, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think the cards are good. I just, nothing seems so broken, but I don't we'll know. See. You, you, <laughs> we'll see. I know that we have some time, and, and it, as soon as somebody finds that like good combination of whatever, the best card from it, it will emerge. I mean, like, how long did it take us to realize Fable of the Mirror Breaker was really good after uh, Kamigawa came out? So, yeah, it's that was a bit of an anomaly, but yeah, yeah. But those things, Gold Span or for whatever, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, obviously this is the best card. But. Yeah, <laughs> but that will happen sometimes where you're like, oh, that card looks. It seems there's value, but it's not really that great. And then all of a sudden, paper copies are like forty dollars or whatever. So, yeah, I have this thing where there are cards that I think are great, and then they usually. Like, usually the community is right, and they're just good or, like, decent. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me with Fable, where I was like, oh, this is one that I really like, but that's because of my biases towards these types of cards. So, like, probably the community is right on this one. I I always look back when I do that, and, like, I should have stood my ground a little more on liking this card. (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard because, you know, you can like things that suck. Yeah, I, I sorry. Exactly. Which I, I often do. Yeah, yeah. Me, me as well. Mainly me. I tend to like really. Well, you like shit. things that really suck. Yeah, I, I like things that are like okay. <laughs> uh, but no, I've uh, I've enjoyed limited. I got to play a pre-release when it came out, uh, which is a lot of fun, uh, and some uh, like drafts and seals. And I, I I will have to say I'm really enjoying this like cycle of common mill creatures in all the different colors. And mm. so it like kind of enables all of your um, aftermath, or sorry, not aftermath, <laughs> unearth cards. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's from Amonkhet. Um, but all your unearth cards, as well as like bringing different card types back from the graveyard, depending on which color you are. That's been a lot of fun and trying all the different reanimator shenanigans. All right, so Jeff, I have to tell you about a draft deck that I made today because it was so awesome and I am still crying that I didn't get seven wins with it because I don't know how I didn't win. I must have just been extremely impatient or there's a lot more uh, exile in the set than I thought there was. Um, But anyway, I was able to... So I pack one, pick one, city cityscape leveler and after that i was like all right this is the game plan all i'm gonna do is just try to play this card or try to reanimate this card and do that and all the picks after that i got two of the uncommon white reanimator card for artifacts and two of the black (laughs) reanimator card 
for creatures. And then all my other cards were like either milling me or creatures that are three or less. And then I had the the white black legend that brings back creatures that are three or less. So they would come back and it was just like mayhem. I was like, this is awesome. But I still lost to like, I'll cast the leveler comes into play exile their best thing. And then two or like two of the losses I had was because they exiled my leveler. The turn it came down, it never attacked. I'm like, what and then every other time i would put leveler on the stack my opponent would just concede <laughs> so it was like either if it lands on the battlefield they're going to exile it if it doesn't they're going to concede and it was just yeah that that sounds amazing uh, once upon a time that's exactly the job the deck i would be looking to draft mm-hmm. you can now now i beat down so beat down well i mean there are like four reanimator spells in the set i guess there's three and then one of them brings it to your hand but it's like, there's just a lot of stuff that's so good with graveyard things. I don't know. I'm I'm yeah fairly excited about white black in the set. So, or black green. I'm never and excited about I feel like there's black reasonable green. reanimator targets, even at common and uncommon. Like, just yeah. big, expensive stuff. It's like, there's so many things that you can bring back because reanimating any of your artifact, huge artifact dudes is great. And... You can play a bunch of them in your the off color ones in your deck because you can cast them if you get high enough. Because once again, yeah, all these artifacts that are sweet are better if you can play them in your colored decks. But you can still play them in your off color decks, and it's totally fine. Yeah, like you can reanimate a Rust Goliath, the ten ten Reach Trample mm-hmm. for ten, and not even have it be a green deck. Yeah. Because your plan is to mill it over and reanimate it, right? Because you only want to play the 10-10 side anyway. So, right. like, you're uninterested. <laughs> I don't want some stupid 3-5. Yeah, you don't want that. Um, I actually had someone play that card because you one of the retro artifacts is um, Quicksilver Amulet. And so they went and mm-hmm. tutored for that card, which... Bummer that oh, that's nice. the card that they tutored. I mean, like, it's a good yeah, card, I mean, but, like, anything better. if you tutor for something, I was like, oh, <laughs> I shit. I'd call it a good card. <laughs> it's not. But, it, I mean, it will kill you quickly because it has trample. But um, especially when they're... Yeah. It's not great. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it, it is that kind of thing where um, it's so fun to reanimate because finding a target is not too difficult. Yeah, I think they did a really like good job with that because we've been talking about prototype how it's essentially kicker but -hmm. like the main difference here is that the bigger one is on the front end Mm -hmm. and that plays differently with reanimator especially and so they leaned into that to really make uh prototype feel different than kicker Mm -hmm. because it's like you can't reanimating kicker cards sucks but reanimating prototype cards is awesome awesome yeah and so they put four reanimator spells in the set because they recognize that so i think that's really cool it's so cool it's i'm all about it uh it's it's been a lot of fun i think this set has a lot of legs i really liked the last one too but i don't know i'm just so excited <laughs> I, I say this every time there's a new set I'm always excited about yeah, the new well, thing. New draft formats are super fun. Yes, that's true. But I, I think this one is is kind of special because it's just a lot of cool stuff that's happening. Yeah. Um, now, I haven't actually had the chance to draft it yet, unfortunately. So let me run some stuff by you. Okay. You're a draft expert here. Oh, I don't and know about that. But <laughs> <laughs> You tell me if what I'm saying 
jives with you. Okay. Okay. So I did some digging, did some uh, data analysis. All right. Um, by which I mean I went to 17lines.com and sorted by color. Gotcha. And uh, it seems like, and, and poked around a bit on uh, like different forums or uh, like strategy websites, it seems like the strongest color currently at this early stage in the format is red. Mm-hmm. So the I think I think blue white soldiers was like third best, but other than that, uh, the top like four of the top five archetypes are red. So like all of the red color combos are at the top, mm-hmm. and then blue white soldiers like snuck into third. But I think Boros was first, then Gruul, then uh, then blue white, then it might have been Rakdos. Uh, oh no, is it was pretty good. Is it was like just under blue white. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two ways you can think about this. Either that just tells you red is the best color. Um, or it tells you people are dirtling around with all these giant robots that cost 10 mana mm-hmm. and the aggro decks are just steamrolling them. And once people get more of a handle on the format and realize, all right, it's not a reasonable game plan to cast the Goliath for 10 mana. Mm-hmm. I have to do other things <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I have to commit to the board early um, because honestly, that's just the reality of modern day limited formats. You need two drops. You need three drops. Mm-hmm. The cards are just so good that it's so easy to fall behind. Um, so you need to be uh, affecting the board. But I don't know. Like it, it could also just be a sign that red is is really good, and we should be watching out for red cards. Yeah, that, that's interesting because I, when playing, felt like I was playing up against a lot of white blue decks, white blue and um, white black. And soldiers is like the cool one of the big cool things. So mm-hmm. I'd expect a lot of people want to play soldiers. Yeah. Um, cause I also have a, you know, there's a good place in my heart where, um, yeah. Azorius aggro decks specifically, not so much control, but aggro are decks I'm always interested in. So, uh, to me, that's been really cool, but I have seen some good red decks. I saw online, somebody was talking about the goblin, um, uh, what's his face? Goblin blast runner and saying how busted they thought that card was. Which is the one mana one two that if you sacrificed a creature it gets plus two plus zero and menace, or sorry if you've sacrificed a permanent that turn, um, so right. it's it's like a it doesn't look good to me. It just seems like a pretty much mayhem devil. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like a little bit, um, and it doesn't. It just seems like so bad to me. But uh, I I guess it's it's got something going on. So uh, that might be. Uh, a card to look out for in some of the aggro decks if they're able to have good sacrifice strategies. But I haven't really run yeah. into it, though I did get uh, obliterated by somebody with, um, they were playing this enchantment that I, when they played it, I just kind of laughed and was like, okay, whatever. Um, it's the mechanized warfare, one red red for each red or artifact source you control deals an extra damage to your opponent or a permanent. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, which is I just want to play that with Oni Cult Anvil, by the way. Yeah, it I mean two every turn. Sign me up. Like that sounds really good. Uh, in this set, I was like, okay, they kind of attack a little bit better, but it, I ended up losing because they had Penragon Strongbull, which is the the creature that you can pay one sacrifice an artifact. It gets plus one plus one, but it deals one damage to each opponent. 
And so every turn they would like make Oof. a power stone and then they would just like, they couldn't attack me because I had really good blocks, but they could ping me. They shock me in the face every turn or twice. So mm. that ended up being the way that I died. Uh, so it wasn't this crazy aggressive steamroll obliterate me like that. It seemed to be, you know, a little bit slower, but, um, yeah, I will have to look out for that and maybe I'll have to start playing red. I think from the Rakdos side, like the signpost uncommon, the junkyard genius, that card seems insane to me. Mm -hmm. It's like a enters the battlefield that makes a power stone and then you can sack a creature to give, uh, your creatures plus one plus O and menace and haste. Like, that's pretty effed up. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a lot of damage. It's so hard to block. In general, though, I think actually all of the, or most of the signpost uncommons are, like, really strong. Mm -hmm. um, the black-green one, especially, is insane. That one's so good. Uh, oh, yeah. my God. I love that card. Yeah, I love it when black-green gets the best one, because they've been shafted for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's always like, no real theme. The, the most recent like theme I can remember them actually having was like big butts. Yeah, the, the Nicki Minaj deck. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So now you see Skyfisher Spider, which is like the mm -hmm. three three reach EDB sack a creature, and you get to exile a non land permanent. And then there's more on top of that. You like gain some life when it dies, which I think this card is actually like standard playable. You can play this. That's the top end of like a Jun Sack deck. Um, That's yeah. It's like a really good card. So the signpost uncommons generally pretty good and pretty much tell you what you want to be doing. Um, like this one tells you you want to be self milling because when it dies you get life for creatures in your graveyard. Mm -hmm. um, so that's always nice. They've gotten really good at the signpost uncommons, obviously, but I think these ones are kind of a step above in power level what they have been in the past. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I think, you know, like I would keep an eye on red. It might turn out that red is the best color because there's just some pretty solid removal in red this time around. Um, yeah, the and the uh, uncounterable shatter thing ends up being mm -hmm. good because there's always a great target for that. Uh, raised to the ground. Yeah, I feel like this is an interesting set where shatter and go for the throat are both great. Yeah. Which is usually, usually that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is those frustrating times where, of course, you have go for the throat, but you're like, sick, this is just the best removal, and then all their best stuff are artifacts. But right. there were a couple, um, I think there's a couple cards in the set that have, like, ward and stuff that are artifacts, so having the incounterable uh, mm -hmm. shatter oh, ended yeah. up being really important. <laughs> I always forget that. I, I would be the guy paying for that ward anyways. <laughs> I'd be like, just totally forget just, just that. Just in case. Yeah. That, that uh, came up in a pre-release, and I had told my opponent, hey, so by the way, you don't have to pay the ward, so you should untap your mana, because that's just not fun. Ah, um, oh, nice guy, Zach. Yeah, nice guy, Zach. They killed my 10-10, but whatever. Uh, no, ten, <laughs> it was an 8-8. Eight eight. Sorry, it's the 8-8 eight eight with ward 4. And right. uh, But anyway, um, overall, yeah, I'm just... I'm excited for this limited format. I think I'm really excited because there are so many competitive events that are happening and I want to get better at sealed or playing this sealed specifically. Today, I did not do well. Uh, I went 0-3 because <laughs> um, I got too excited about my pool. I had a Sundering Titan and I was like, go, make the deck, go. <laughs> um, 
and I got to play it a few times, but I did not win because it turns out uh, if you're playing against someone who isn't playing the same colors as you, Sundering Titan ends up hurting you a lot as well. So. I was going to ask, like, is Sundering Titan that good? It's, it's kind of big, right? It's it's big and it <laughs> destroys lands. It's just so I I still think it's awesome. I still think it's worth playing, and I will definitely play it anytime I can. I feel like the, usually it destroys two of your opponent's lands and one of yours. It's like the most common. That's true. Um, that, that is very true. I you know I almost wish Sundering Titan was in the last set because you could blow up all their dual lands, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it is fun because one of the retro artifacts... Sorry, Sundering Titan is the retro artifact, but one of the um, green rares in the set is the 2-7 Unearth, but it lets you play uh, lands from your graveyard. Um, so that's one of my little, I don't know, bingo card stamps of have both of those cards in the battlefield and play your lands from your graveyard, but, you know, keep destroying theirs. Uh, it sounds like something fun. But, uh, yeah, I think overall I'm just going to try and stay open, take some of those artifacts early, and then, you know, see what flows. Yeah. And then after that strategy <laughs> stops working, uh, I'm just going to force Boros because yeah. I read that it was the best. And uh, I'm still on my high of, of Boros and Limited from last format. So maybe I'm just a Boros guy in Limited now. I mean, that's just my thing. I think you've always been a Boros guy and you just you've been trying to get away from it for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's I don't funny. Want to admit it. I, I can't admit it to myself. Well, it's funny because like I like aggro decks, but Boros is like one of my least favorite color combinations. But I like playing other like I like playing mono red and mono white, but not together very much for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. um, I see. will say I do like you were saying Azorius aggro earlier. I like when decks are the are an archetype that is not what they that color combo usually is. Mm -hmm. So like Azorius aggro, love it. Um, Big red, like control, like mono red control. Mm -hmm. Always a big fan of that whenever it's available. Obviously, like red black sacrifice, you know, just like totally different than what the color pair usually does. I agree. I agree. So, going into standard, um, I've played a little bit of it and I think I haven't built one yet, but the soldier's deck is definitely on my radar as a deck that I'm going to build and. Every piece of that deck, when I come across it, when I'm drafting, I'm picking up all the little pieces because that's what I'm focusing on. That's the deck I want to play the most. Dude, I just looking through the card image gallery, I have a hard time imagining soldiers not being tier one. It's so... Like, there are so many payoffs. They went hard. Like, yeah. And then you look back and like they've been printing good soldiers for a while. We just never cared because, you know, Soldier was usually like, oh, why isn't this a knight or something? Yeah. Why isn't this like a warrior for my party or whatever? And there's just like quietly been amazing soldiers, like even uh, Denek or whatever is a soldier randomly, like Thalia is a soldier. Yeah. We have really good white cards have just been soldiers. Yeah. All the ones you already play. Brutal Cathar is a soldier. Yeah. Guardian of New Banalia. <laughs> uh, Sun Gold Sentinel. You have the, the Soldier Lord from the last set, Valiant Veteran. Uh, there's just a ton. And so I'm I'm just looking at it. You have Cathar Commando. I'm just... I'm. And then they just piled on a bunch of payoffs, like the new... Uh, 
uh, Siege Veteran, I want to say it's called. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, it's the, the new Luminarch Aspirant, but it's like Soldier Tribal Luminarch Aspirant as well. Like, you would play that card even not in a Soldier's deck. Yeah. As we've learned from how good the Aspirant was. Um, so, like, what you need for Tribal decks to be good. You need a lot of options. It feels recently when we play tribal decks, you have like just enough to get a 60 card deck mm-hmm. and you're playing a fuck, uh, a couple of, uh, of craptastic, like, you know, whatever crappy one drops or whatever that you just need to fill out your curve. The soldier's deck has so many options. It has like sideboard options. It's mm-hmm. le- legitimately difficult to choose which two drops you're supposed to be playing main deck versus sideboard or like not at all. You're going to be cutting really good soldiers. Um, the other thing you need, which is usually what's missing, um, is mana. And they printed, like, Tundra with Upside for mm-hmm. Soldier's decks. Like, what the hell is this land? This is, remember when we were talking about Party and we're like, why are they, like, punishing me for playing Party by giving me the worst fucking land I've ever seen? It's literally like, oh, you tried to do something fun and cool? F you. You have to pay for this when it enters the battlefield, and it enters tapped, and it can only tap for, like, this. It's like, whoa, whoa, it's like, this didn't need to be this bad. <laughs> and then they went so hard the other way on this soldier's land, where uh. it's like, almost, if it's entering the battlefield tapped, you're out of gas and it doesn't matter. Like... Mm-hmm. That that wasn't that's not gonna hurt you. Like if you have no soldiers in play or in your hand, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the thing is that's so. funny. That card is was part of my sealed pool when at the pre-release, and I was like, "Fuck, th- this card sucks. This card's the worst. I hate this card." <laughs> and then of course, as soon as I start thinking about a standard deck, I'm like, "I love this card. This card's amazing. Oh, yeah. How oh great God, is this card? So Fuck, I can't believe they printed this." Um, I so. guess the only thing is, like, if you top deck it... No, because if you have no soldiers, mm-hmm. then you don't want the ability anyways. Exactly. No, it, it's just, like, amazing. It's For this deck, it's Tundra with Upside. Mm-hmm. And they should do more of this, because they did this in Lorwyn to mm-hmm. push, really push tribal, and it worked. So all the good decks were tribal. I mean, from what I, like, look back on it and actually yeah, yeah. play at that time. And I've always <laughs> remembered that and be like, why don't they keep doing this? Like, they always make trash tribal lands. And they know that if they make a good one, it makes the deck viable. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they've done it. So they've they've decided pretty clearly, I think, that Soldiers is going to be a good deck. Mm-hmm. And I am all about it. Uh, so let's go. And also the ban of Meat Hook Massacre starts to make a bit more sense, too. Like, that would be a really big deterrent for a deck like this. I still think the deck might be good enough to to fight through it. Yeah, but would people even try it? You know, if like meat hooks are everywhere. Well, you can. That'd be the concern. Well, yeah, but you're also playing blue. You don't have to play your like Rakdos deck splash blue for counterspell. This deck's already playing right. blue cards just because. So you just sideboard in your counterspells. Not like it's that's the end all be all, but still, like yeah. having a couple of those aggro decks with blue are nice, which is mm-hmm. spell pierce in the sideboard. I love spell really, pierce. Like, it's like one of my favorite cards. People out. Hitting that, like, turn three, two drop into um, Spell Pierce. Oh, it's just the... That's yeah. that's the happy place. I love it. My happy place is when your Spell Pierce costs two because of your Thalia, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> see, what you have to do is you side out your Thalias when you bring in Spell Pierce. I see. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Next level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, Soldiers, I think, is legit. And I, I think there are other 
aggro possibilities back in play. Like with Monastery Swift Spear, you know, you're going to be lucky at mono red. I think there's even a version of soldiers could be mono white if you mm-hmm. decide like you just want. There's enough good white soldiers, you could just do mono white. Well, um, the so the reason I would want to be mono white is actually very specific. And there's just one card, and that's lay down arms is what I want to play. Because hmm. if I'm playing mono white uh, or a lot of the aggressive decks, one of the cards I'm worried about is going to be, of course, Shieldred. Shieldred and the freaking, what's that, Flesh Gorger? Yeah, Phyrexian Flesh Gorger. Yeah, things that like gain a ton of life um, is really annoying, or things that are really hard to attack into. Um, and so being able to exile them sounds great so a mono white deck has a lot of planes obviously so i would play lay down arms even though they get to gain through life yeah i would say that uh i still believe in uh mishra's foundry as a payoff for being mono white but right okay that's true that's probably a lot better <laughs> <laughs> no i i actually i think lay on uh, what is it lay on arms lay down arms that card looks really good but like you said yeah you have to have a lot of planes yeah but I believe in Mishra's Foundry. I know it's getting a lot of hate, I think, because it's so much worse than Mitra, Mishra's Factory. Or well, no shit. Was. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that card was ridiculous, people. <laughs> it, is a, it is a bummer that it can't defend. Like, you can't do the block tap to pump itself thing, mm-hmm. which I guess is a little unintuitive, and they didn't want it to be doing that, but that was a big part of the, the other card. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, well, whatever. I, I think it's... I, I, I like it. <laughs> um, but also, you know, like I mentioned mono red, but I think there's a reason to play mono green now because mono green got a one drop that doesn't suck. And that's going to change everything for like mono green because that was the biggest problem they had was they just didn't have any good one drops. And they were even a little short on two drops after stuff rotated out. And then they have like some of these artifacts the green-based artifacts like the Simeon Simulacrum are actually pretty good. Yeah, um, that, you're, you're talking about is the, the Teething Wormlet, right? Yeah, Teething Wormlet, uh, which is a 1-1 one, one that has Death Touch, so long you control three or more artifacts. And then whenever an artifact enters the battlefield in your control, you gain a life. But if it's first time that ability resolved, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. And I think there are enough like artifacts in the mono-green aggro deck the root wire amalgam as your two drop <laughs> simian simulacrum is your three drop like this i don't know if it's the, the next big tier one aggro deck but i think it has a shot at at being tier one and i think it's gonna be pretty solid like tier two for mm-hmm. sure so i think there's just gonna be an influx of viable aggro decks now and it's just like so nice that they got rid of the meat hook massacre to prepare for this yeah i agree with that i th- well because i was playing uh against uh I, I played in like a league uh just to just to mm-hmm. see what's out there and this other card gwenna eyes of gaia the two and a green for the two three mana dork the taps for two mana mm-hmm. and then anytime you play a creature with power five or greater you put a plus one plus one counter on it and untap it and so it was getting into these situations where like they would play, uh, it's whatever, turn four. They tap everything to play the green, uh, something of vigor. What's the one where the Phyrexian one, you, repl- you pay Phyrexian mana? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, so they play that. Yeah. It untaps. They play another card Defiler. using, yeah, the, um, 
Defiler of Vigor. It was gross. I was like, this is oh, disgusting. Yeah. When you combos with this, yeah, you're just like playing stuff for one or you two just, mana. You play that, yeah. it untaps, you play it again, you play another card, everything gets plus one, plus one counters. I'm like, and then that card untaps. Oh my God. It was, yeah. So it looks good. I, it, it looks good. I, I like monocolor decks as well. So let's go. Let's see all these other things. I'm tired of these three colored decks. Let's go. Yeah. And then I've seen just like reading that I've seen uh, a lot of people are, are playing blue white Urza. So Urza's mm-hmm. apparently all over the place. I haven't seen it myself, but me uh, neither. I think it's just like the fun thing to try at the start. I don't know how ma- if that really has legs, um, but it's powerful enough. Like I could see it being fine, but I think everyone's going to like try to do all the meld stuff first, obviously, mm-hmm. and then get a bit more realistic with it. And like, start cutting the bad melt card because there's always <laughs> one bad one right so it's like yeah so maybe titania both are, are fine no i think but, that's uh, those are the best titania feels like the best ones because your land you don't feel that bad about right but uh, yeah it, exactly that's the one i'm going to be trying to like make work mm-hmm. uh, but like mishra is terrible but the dragon engine is good and then yeah urza is pretty good, Urza's good but stone weak stone are like yeah me. guess which one i opened in my sealed pool the Mightstone and Weakstone. <laughs> ah, Mightstone and Weakstone. <laughs> That's my, like, least favorite one. Um, or like, ah, oh, this is just a five-mana stupid thing. <laughs> whatever. Meteorite or whatever. It was. Yeah. It's dumb. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's how I feel about that card. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fuck that card. Fuck that card. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, as always, adding a new set to Magic is always a good thing. As, always a good mm-hmm. thing. I know people have a lot of set fatigue and they're very frustrated by this fact, but uh, you still get yeah. a lot of fun out, out of new cards and playing them because... I think people would argue like Throne of Eldraine may not have been a good thing, but... You know. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, but is this Throne of Eldraine level? Is this... I think it's not Throne of Eldraine level, but I think it's really strong. I, I would guess, just like my gut reaction is I'm thinking of this as Kaldheim. Okay. Where it was like, Kaldheim had a bunch of strong cards that were the best cards in standard until Kaldheim rotated. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could have another situation like that on our hands. I don't know what those best cards are, whereas with Kaldheim it was like, oh great, another extra turn spell. That's obviously dumb. Oh look, a big dragon that makes treasure tokens and it's hard to interact with. Like, obviously that's good. Uh, oh look, a, a vehicle that makes a billion tokens. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty well costed so it was like pretty obvious from day one which were the best call time cards and it stayed that way for years so this time i think it's a little more like i don't know there's a lot of really good cards here which ones are the good ones and which ones are like not as good as they look kind of thing Mm -hmm. um but i still think it we could be in a situation where whatever are the two or three best cards in the set are like the best standard cards for for a while all right we will have to see, but I do. I think you're you're probably right that there, some things are are pretty pushed, but not over the top. So, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I'm confident that we don't have any Okos mm-hmm. in here, and probably we don't have any Bone Crusher Giants either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's about as far as I'm willing to go. I think we probably have some, uh, <laughs> like I said, some Asikas Chariots floating around here. Asikas yeah, Chariots fine. It's fine. 
Well, we need to get into some worth of slots after our beer break. But Jeff, my beer is empty, so I think it's time to go get another one. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by listening. But if you want to support the show even more, well, the Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on your favorite co-host by buying either me a beer or me a beer. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host. Or if you'd rather send us beer emojis than IRL beers, you can join our arena regulars discord channel. The link for that should be in the show notes. Mmm, baby. It's been a while. It has been a while. What have we got here, Zach? All right, here we go. So this is from Mascot Brewing Company. It is their Ales from the Crypt. It is a candy sour Mm -hmm. ale. That's right, candy sour. And it is 5%. Uh, on the side, it says lactose about five times. So uh, there's lactose in it. Uh, and they're using citra and cashmere hops. Very excited. There's also something called phantasm powder, which is apparently grape skin. That's going to make it real nice. I'm excited. I haven't brought a weird sour in a while. So I got to make Jeff <laughs> drink some weird sours every once in a while. So here we go. Yeah, candy sour, huh? All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let's get into our famous worth a slot segment. Oof. This one's a tough one, man. This might be the hardest one I've had to do in a while. This is I this is really the hardest one. I think most of the time we know at least the first two and then the last one's kind of a whatever. But this yeah. one's this one's this one's tough. This one's a tough one. So, Jeff, would you like to explain our worth a slot segment? Yes, the Worth of Slot segment is where Zach and I make some bets on cards that we think will or maybe will show up uh, from this set. Um, it's not specific in formats. We're generally talking constructed, but and I think usually we're talking standard, but uh, there could we could explain uh, other formats if we so choose. We decided to use a basketball metaphor here. So we have a layup. That card is a card that we believe will certainly see play in the upcoming uh, constructed formats. We have a three-pointer. Um, this one is like definitely powerful enough to see play, but we could see it, you know, you know, not ended up being in any decks because of metagame reasons, stuff like that. Then there's the half-court shot. This one is exactly what it sounds like. It's a long shot. And uh, we would love for it to see play, usually, is why we're picking it, but we acknowledge that it probably won't. Then we round things out by saying the card we think is most overrated and the card we think is most underrated. Mm-hmm. All righty, Jeff. Who's going to go first? I almost said baseball metaphor. Because <laughs> <laughs> we always make the joke about, like, home run slam dunks. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's a baseball metaphor. But, no. We need to bring home run slam dunk back. We haven't said that in a while. Yeah, I don't know if there is one in this set. But, mm. You know, if we were doing, like, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, we'd be like, oh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, home run, slam dunk. Duh. All right, Jeff, who's going to go first? Are you ready? Am I ready? I know what I'm going to say, so if you don't know yet... All right, let's let you go first. All right. Uh, mine is fairly dull, and we've already kind of already talked about it. So 
Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to jump right into it because I didn't mention it, but you mentioned it before. But my layup for this Brothers War set is Siege Veteran. Two and a white for a 2-2 human soldier. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. And then the really big thing, whenever another non-token soldier you control dies, you create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. So not only does it buff up your whole team, but it saves you from board wipes, those pesky, uh, well, whatever it is. Uh, what's that black one right now that destroys everything? Doesn't matter. I'm going to make a bunch of 1-1 soldiers anyway. So play it. I don't care. Uh, anytime the Luminarch Aspirant was such a beating. I know that this is three mana, so it takes up a different slot. But there are so many good two-drop <laughs> soldiers right now that having it at three doesn't feel so bad. And it's already a 2-2, which Luminarch Aspirant, we always said, was a bear with upside. Well, this is, I don't know, whatever a three mana 3-3 three, three is. Um it's that. Yeah. This is, it feels like when I read it, it was like, this is Luminarch Aspirant stapled to um, Anax of the Forge. You remember yep. when, like, mm-hmm. when Anax, you couldn't wipe the board because you would just leave them with all of these 1-1s? One it's the same thing going on here. When I was reading that last line of text, I was like, just I kept waiting for it to say this ability only triggers once each turn because yeah. they love to do that these days. And they just didn't put that. Hell no. Not there. That's right. <laughs> uh, and the card would still be pretty good if it said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no. This is exactly what your deck wants. Um, obviously, the ability is a, is a little less powerful on a three drop than a two drop, the aspirant ability. But it's still really good. Like comes down and buffs something immediately. Yeah. So and it's it, like haste damage on that counter. Mm-hmm. And it's still on your combat step and not uh, at the right. end of your turn. Yeah. Like they, they changed Luminic Aspirant for Alchemy to be different. So, um, yeah. so awesome. Uh, I, I would just be baffled. Like we're talking about there's going to be a soldier deck. This is definitely going to be in that deck. Like... There's, I just don't, I don't see why you would not, this is one of the reasons you play the deck, so it's got to be in there. Ridiculous card. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Wizards. You hear me? Ridiculous. Seeds veteran. <laughs> Home run slam dunk. Yeah, and the one thing you often did with um, Luminarch? Luminarch Aspirant is like, you would untap and then kill whatever they put the counter on to get rid of the counter and then try to kill like the Aspirant, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really work now because... Uh, they make the 1-1 one, one if you kill the other thing. So it's like l- part of Luminarch Aspirin's problem was like, I could always kill whatever thing you decide to make bigger. Uh, if you invest too much in the Aspirin, I'll just kill that. Mm-hmm. So you always try to spread, spread the counters out. around. And mm-hmm. this is like even more, oh, I want to kill that, but I have to kill the thing that's huge because it got all the counters. But then now you even get a 1-1 one, one if I do that. It's like even more punishing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very good card. I think uh, there are a lot of options I had here for... Now, remember, this isn't most powerful card in the set. So in the end, I'm sort of copping out a little bit to take a card that I'm just like absolutely sure we'll see play because that's what the layup's really about, I guess. Yes. Um, rather than taking the, the fanciest card here. No. So interestingly enough, it's a card that you mentioned <laughs> previously, <laughs> and that's Phyrexian Flesh Gorger. 
So this is a one black black for a three three. Oh, sorry, sorry. Seven mana for a seven five. Menace lifelink ward pay life equal to its powered. You prototype it one black black for a three three instead of a seven five. To me, the reason I think this card is just for sure going to see play is like it seems like an automatic upgrade over Graveyard Trespasser in all of the black mid-range decks. And Graveyard Trespasser is a pretty good card, but I think unless you specifically want the Graveyard Hate, like it's a meta for that, you want this card more because it mm-hmm. is still the 3-3 that's hard to deal with. That like discarding a card is generally worse than like paying life. So you definitely maybe want to be a little more aggro. I still think you probably just replace the Trespasser with this card, though. Like, the fact that it has Menace, and it actually has Lifelink, it gains you so much more life. Like, it just seems like an upgrade. Um, so, since black midrange is everywhere, this is, like, a super solid black midrange card. I kind of expect this to, especially, like, right away, it's just going to be all over the place, because people have the deck, and this is, like, a clear upgrade. You just do that. Yeah, it's so strong. I was playing <laughs> against this card um, where they play this on three, and then on four they play um, Rafine, and then hold up for whatever. And when this attacks in, and you're just putting more and more counters on it, like oh yeah, there, be- think of that. there becomes a point in the game where like you can't target it because you're gonna die. So yeah, you it's it is a beating if that's where you're putting your counters. Um, Because you're just really not worried. You know, you're going to two for one them and gain a butt ton of life. Like, this card is yeah. kill on sight. It doesn't die to go for the throat. It's it's so strong. And then there's just going to be mid-range battles where in the late game, you just play this at seven, right? Like, yeah. And then, just gonna, you're going to top deck it, and you're going to be like, oh, great. Here's a seven five. If you want to kill it, you have to take seven damage. Yeah, and you probably die. So it's it's so strong. I I was originally thinking this might have been one of my like overrated cards. No, it's it's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's it's appropriately rated. It's a, it's gonna see play and it should because it's bonkers. So worth it. Worth the slot, definitely. Moving on. I feel like we do these just infrequently enough that I always forget. Do we snake draft these or do we go back and forth? Um we it changes every time i think it's ah. <laughs> 50 whatever, whatever we feel like exactly um let's keep I'll, I'll go i'll do another one um because i don't want you to take it all right <clears throat> <laughs> moving on to our three pointers well i said that really weird but whatever um <laughs> so this card i have for my three point shot is a card I think that you would play in a deck that you really like because I played a version of a deck that you really like that I don't know if you would ever build, but it was really interesting, and I kind of wanted to hear your take on it, but this is the card. All right. Three-pointers. It is Mishra's Research Desk. So this is a one-mana artifact that says uh, pay one, tap it, sack the desk. You exile the top two cards of your library and choose one of them until the end of your next turn. You may play that card. It also has unearth for one and a red. So this card very specifically 
is good in the Anvil decks because mm-hmm. it's similar to playing, like it's a little bit more expensive, or I guess it's twice as expensive, but um, as like the experimental synthesizer, except for you have a longer window of time to play the cards you get off of it and being able to play it again from your graveyard and do that has been so helpful. So I was playing like an Anvil deck. I played in League with an Anvil deck that had Sahili at the top end because I was really interested to see how that would work. work. And it was playing like one of um, Shieldred. And it ended up being quite fun. And I I did all right with it. I I don't remember what my record was, but it, it wasn't super great. But this card was a house. The amount of cards I could draw off of this and play is it was just bonkers, like bonkers. Like I was, you because you can exile this on your opponent's turn and play the cards on your turn. You can exile it on your turn and then wait till the next turn to play them. Uh, so you don't have the problem of like, do I play my synthesizer now? Is it going to get my a card I can't play, or am, am I not going to hit the land drop I want? Um, so it ended up being really great. Playing it multiple times was awesome, and it really helps get around if you're playing against a shieldred you can find it like dig for answers without drawing cards so you don't lose any life mm-hmm. and that ended up being huge or i was like all right all i have to do is find a go for the throat let's dig through my deck but i can do it without drawing any cards um so this card ended up being like uh definitely four of in the deck and i was like i I like this card. So I want the half of this is I think it's worth a slot, but I want to know what you yeah. think. Is it worth a slot in the Anvil decks? I so I haven't played it yet, but I love this card. Mm-hmm. I think this card is amazing. I think you mentioned a lot of reasons to like prefer this over or like how it might be better in some ways than uh, experimental synthesizer, which is obviously a card I love. Um I think the biggest one for me is that you could play this on turn one. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the times you had these weird hands in Anvil. It's like synthesizer, Anvil, like maybe a blood tithe harvester or something, a couple of lands and whatever, a fable mirror breaker, right? It's like, Oh, this hand would be so good if I had a one drop and I kind of do, but do I want to run it out on turn one? Like, I don't know. That's, that's weird. On the other hand, like, you have to use this ability. You can't sack this to the anvil and get mm-hmm. the, the, get card. the benefit. So it's different, um, but I love I think the choose two, or look at two, choose one is, is so good. Because a lot of the time, anvil is really, like, living on a prayer. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know what's on top of my yeah. deck. Let's find out. Um, yeah, I love this card. And really excited to play it over the synthesizer, and we'll see where I net out because there's advantages to both. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when I first read it, I didn't see the like choose one. I thought you just got both. And I was like, "What the hell is this? This card is busted." <laughs> and then I was like, "Okay, I knew I had to have misread it because like mm-hmm. they wouldn't print. They can't print that, right? No, 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 <laughs> it's no, no. like four cards that you can't." Yeah, it it was interesting. The deck I was playing it in uh, had four of the desk and then two synthesizers. So I would play them together, and it was interesting to see the different parts of the you know of the game where it's like, oh, it's good to have this at the beginning and synthesizer at the end and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
Another note is that it is colorless, so that if you're playing a bunch of pain lands, you can play this without hurting yourself. Yeah. Because your an usually your anvil or your um, blood type harvester are gonna you're gonna have to pay mm -hmm. so, or get hit with some life from your pain lands. But this one helps mitigate that by being like, oh, you can play this one. Don't worry, your sulfurous springs will. You're not going to get hurt on the first turn. So make sure you tap that sulfurous springs manually for it, though. They <laughs> I, they fixed it, so I didn't have to worry about that very okay. much. They did a good job of knowing knowing that. So I lost uh, so many games to that. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Just like no, it left me with three sulfurous springs, yeah. and I have like an anvil and a Voldaren epicure. I want to play. This it's is like, bullshit. I'm gonna die. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, great choice, great choice. Um, you know what? I committed to the, every card I want to choose. Is like, is this an appropriate choice or is this too good? But I feel like that's just like, I feel like the set is so good mm -hmm. or has so many good options, but they're, they're all so different that this ends up being like, which ones of these... Um, see play is just a metagame thing like how does the metagame shape up yeah. what ends up being the good decks and the bad decks like what's warping everything so yeah I think my three pointer is going to be a pretty good card here alright I was saving this as like all of these cards I have are for underrated mm -hmm. and then I'm like oh is this the underrated pick or is this the card for underrated so I'm going to go with this is a card, obviously, I love, but I, I think nobody's talking about it, so I think it's underrated, but I'm going to use it as my three-pointer. This is Transmigrant's Crown. This is a two-mana artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero. Oh. Whenever equipped creature dies, draw a card equipped for two or just for a single black mana. Are you kidding me? Talking about upgrades to the Anvil deck. Whoa. Mm -hmm. I equip this for one black mana. I sack it to my anvil. I draw a card off that? That's crazy. That's... Should I buy these for my pioneer deck? Like, <laughs> this is so good. You might... And it turns all of your dorky 1-1s one into threats, too. That's... But you don't really want to block. <laughs> like... That's true. That's true. The, um... So this card has been talked about a lot uh, in the EDH community because obviously people are like, oh, it's Skull Clamp at home. Um, yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. Skull Clamp was ridiculous. It's but ridiculous. If, if they gave me Skull Clamp right now, holy crap, would the Anvil deck be busted? <laughs> oh. Well, this is the, like, what Skull Clamp was supposed to be until they, quote-unquote, right. nerfed it and then made it far it, yeah. better than it actually is. Or, or sorry, than it, than it was supposed to be. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's why people are kind of, like, meh about this card right now because they're in the in-between. So I'm going to say, like, I'm looking up the price right now in Canada just so I can... Um, can <laughs> should, I, should I load up on these? This card's crazy. Possibly, because I think just the... I think the EDH community is, like, was high and is low now, uh, and those mm -hmm. seem to be the people that might be super stoked about it. Um, let's see. All right, so it looks like here... Yeah, it's, like, 250 So... If you're interested in getting this card, uh, maybe get that because I don't know it. I so I do like it, and I, I think it's going to be great. But 
I guess I just think it's so interesting. I just wouldn't really be used to uh, having you be excited about an equipment. It's an equipment. Yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> of all things, I was like, well, the equipment. I, I almost blew past it because I was like, oh, it's an equipment. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And then I saw draw a card. I was mm-hmm. like, wait, hold on. Let's scroll back, scroll back, scroll back. <laughs> when it dies? Luckily, it doesn't have that much text, so I was able to like scope the important point and mm-hmm. realize it might be good. Uh, yeah, obviously, your mind jumps right to Skull Clamp. It's worse than Skull Clamp, but Skull Clamp was one of, one of the bigger mistakes they've made. So, mm-hmm. like, obviously, it's worse than Skull Clamp. I don't know. This seems really good to me. I, I, I think it's the point appropriate like for my three-pointer because... If there isn't a black deck that has a lot of, like, small, expendable creatures Mm -hmm. in the meta, then this card is not good. Like, you don't want to pay two to equip it. You want to pay one. Mm -hmm. And you need a lot of small creatures that you're going to either sacrifice or... Yeah, basically you need to... You're going to need creatures that you're going to want to sacrifice because otherwise your opponent just, like, takes the three and can probably deal with it, uh in standard mm-hmm. so it's a little dependent on the metagame but i don't know i'm pretty uh optimistic here that anvil has gotten a lot of really powerful tools like not we haven't even mentioned the dragon engine in anvil so mm-hmm. it's like that deck got a lot of upgrades it might actually just be a good deck now yeah is it going to beat out it does say draw a card which usually means something good but with shieldred sometimes it means something bad uh, that's what yeah, I'm gonna. Shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but people, it still kills you. Um, so, uh, all right. So let's move into our half court slash full court shots. Um, I actually think this is kind of hard for me this time around because, for the most part, every card I'm excited about is actually really good. Um, I know that, that was that was my issue too. <laughs> nothing seems like kind of shitty. That seems fun. All of the ones that are kind of shitty don't seem fun to me. Um, right. Or don't even see, you know, it seems like, oh, that sound, that's cute. But like, it just, it doesn't seem interesting enough to try to get the deck to work. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't want to name any names, but. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this card is good and is strong um i don't know if it's going to be part of standard i hope it is and we are talking about a lot of like monocolored aggro decks and i think this is card that could definitely be in one of those decks and maybe it's too good now that i'm thinking about it it might be way too good um (laughs) but uh in any case uh let's talk about draconic destiny (laughs) So this card might be way too strong, but it's one red red for an enchantment aura. But of course, I'm going to draw. I'm going to pick an aura. So that's what we're doing. Um, It said an enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has flying and haste. And it also has fire breathing. And it's also a dragon. Now, fire breathing is usually pay one red. This creature gets plus one plus zero. But this is pay Mm -hmm. one of any color. Um, But this is the most important part. When enchanted creature dies, you return Draconic Destiny to its owner's hand. So that just means you get to play this forever. And you can have it jump on any dorky little dude. You can put it on that fucking, uh, the, that, that goblin that I don't like. Goblin Blast Runner. There you go. You could play it on that card and not care. Um, so 
if you're playing like maybe it's probably a bigger version of red, but it also triggers swift spear. So maybe it maybe there's something there. I don't know, but it seems like at least I could play two copies in a red deck and be like, this card fucking rocks. Um, yeah. Super stoked for it. Seems like the perfect choice for you. It's mm-hmm. like a super powered aura. It may not have just have a deck that wants it. Like it's, you know, maybe if there's some sort of awesome gruel deck, gruel mm-hmm. beat down, that's, that could be, this could be that kind of thing. Um, for people who haven't, who are looking at this being like, yeah, whatever. Like, there's some precedence here. If you've ever played against Rancor, like, something that comes down and makes any creature a threat and just keeps coming back and makes other creatures a threat um, is very good. And this, like, this makes them any, literally any creature is super threatening when it has this on it. Mm. Uh so this is, you know, three mana is a lot. Rancor, a lot of its power came from it being one mana. Um, but this is very, very strong. If you're going to play with this card, you should know they can get you by killing it when this is on the stack. That's like the 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 way to get it out from under this, basically. Or to, like, exile the creature. But generally the way you get out from under it is you target something with it. I kill that target and this fizzles and goes to the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, so be careful to play it when your opponent's like tapped out, you know, typical aura stuff. Yeah. Don't get blown out. I was going to say that's just, you know, normal things or, (laughs) you know, maybe this isn't a modern red card. Maybe you're playing, you know, blue. And so you can counter their shit because that's the best where they think they're going to do that. And you're like, no, always add spell pierce, spell pierce. (laughs) Fuck you. Um, but this is also a callback to angelic destiny, which did a very similar thing. Um, it was more mana, but it hit harder. Um, Turned them into an angel instead of a dragon, mm-hmm, I guess. That kind of stuff. Um, I think they got like plus four, plus four, and like lifelink and flying and vigilance or something crazy. But it was like five mana, six or something. Um, anyway, so, but this seems like, it seems fun enough that I'd be really excited. Like it, it has a lot of power and it just gives this card advantage that you want from these decks, but it still hits really hard and it gives you a lot to do with, you know, that part of the game where you have a ton of lands and you're like, what do I do with these? Oh, fire breathing. Perfect. Sweet, man. That's Mm -hmm. a great choice. I was feeling like the similar to you or like all of my choices. I felt like we're maybe just too reasonable of cards to really qualify for the half quarter. Mm -hmm. I was even thinking of Titania. I was like, Titania is just a decent card. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it probably won't actually make the cut. And I was like, I'm definitely going to try and make it work and specifically do all the meld thing. So that's what I was leaning on until uh, there's a card you actually mentioned again that I was like, oh, I actually legitimately considered playing this card. And I'm probably going to do it if I get them. (laughs) And I think it's a half quarter. So Mm -hmm. here's what we're going with. We're going with Cityscape Leveler. Yes. This is the 8-mana 8-8 Trample. When it cast it or when it attacks, destroy up to one target non-land permanent, and its controller creates a tapped Power Stone token. And it has Unearth 8. Now you might be thinking, oh, obviously he's going to reanimate this. That's not even what my plan was. I literally am just going to put this in my deck. I'm going to mill myself. And when I get to 8-mana, I'm going to bring this back. <laughs> like, that's, that's all that we have going on there. But the Titania deck, you know, like you get lands and 
can accelerate some of your land drops through various options there. You might actually just get to eight mana. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, like, I was just looking at different unearthed cards to put in my deck that would be like, you know, if they exile this from my graveyard, that's fine. Like, because I milled it, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. free. Um, I don't want to do the all-in reanimator thing because there's so much good graveyard hate right now that Mm -hmm. it's like, what do I do if my opponent plays an unlicensed hearse? Do I just concede? Like, (laughs) I can't beat that. So uh, I, I really like the self-mill where you get incidental value. Like, it's just a self-mill deck with a bunch of unearth and flashback cards. And it's like, I'm just drawing cards. And if you exile my graveyard, you exile my graveyard. I still have my hand. Like, I got that shit for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to try one or two of these at the top end that I was like, I'll probably end up cutting these. But it would be so awesome if this is, like, a reasonable card to play. <laughs> You're just like, haha, destroy that and attack that for eight. That's sweet. That, I, I like that plan. I think that's great to be like, uh, if I draw it, I have uh, blood tokens to discard it. And it just mm-hmm. happens to be, like, this threat that... Or fable. Or fable, that's true. Um, it's just a, just a thing that uh, your opponent is worried about that's not even your plan. You're like, how about you spend two turns trying to figure out how to get this out of my graveyard while I can keep doing my real plan? Yeah, yeah. and I've like forgot it's there. Yeah, um, it's a MacGuffin. You and know? Fable creates treasure tokens and stuff too, so it's not like unheard of that you'll get to eight. Exactly. It's just like you're, yeah, it, absolutely. That's I I love that plan. That's especially yeah. because that's like the bomb in limited. That I just love that yeah, yeah. that you could totally be like, oh, sick! I'll I'll totally play this in in standard. It's be a classic thing I do where there's gonna be like. Two or three of these at the start, and then it's going to slowly whittle down, and then eventually I'll I'll, I'll be a sad. There'll be a sad Jeff who clicks the yeah. final one out of his deck, and you're like, no. <laughs> but hey, I mean, but it's going to be a great time. All of the times that that plan actually works, yeah, that's going to be sweet. It's going to be so sweet. Oh man, that's going to be awesome. And like you said, people will side in unlicensed turns mm-hmm. and stuff, and I'll be like, that's actually not that good because I'm mostly just playing a mid range deck, and you're wasting a card falling behind. Yeah. Is your deck playing? Because I'm still like committing to the board and playing stuff. Are like, you, pl- you exile my memory deluge that I milled for free? That's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, I'm just like still gonna play stuff. Are you? Is that John? Are you playing uh, Wind Grace or no? With Titania? Yeah, probably Wind Grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds sweet. Yeah, it's probably John. So I yeah. guess there's no memory deluge. How is that? I mean, like it could be moist. You could just put it in there for fun. Moist John. Here we go. Mm, yum. Uh, all righty. Well, we have some overrated and underrated cards, though. So my overrated ones all turned out to be really good. So um, <laughs> I've been having a really hard time with this as well. Uh, yeah, I feel like I have a million options for underrated, but overrated mm-hmm. was was tough. Yeah, I think everything seems really a pro. You know what? This Okay, this one's overrated. I got one. Um <laughs> This wasn't everyone. It's some people, but the overrated card I'm thinking about is the reprint of Diabolic Intent. Um, mm. This card is from Plane Shift. Uh, it's one in a black for a sorcery. You sacrifice a creature, and then you search your library for a card and put it into your hand. Um, this card isn't gonna be that good, I don't think. Like the sacrificing a creature at sorcery speed is so much worse than instant speed like so much worse 
you don't get any good shenanigans with it. And even when you build your deck and you know what you're going to get and all that stuff, I, I just think you're going to spend, I just don't think it's going to be that great. I think you're going to spend more time with this card in your hand and you're not being, I don't know, active enough on the board. Just, just don't do it. Don't do it to yourself. Don't get too excited about tutors, especially this one. Just say no. Say no. Yeah. I think that's the perfect choice. I wish I'd thought of it. That I think this card stinks and people love it. And uh, like the list I that inspired my list for the, the pioneer event we've been talking about playing. It's actually coming up this weekend, but it played one of these and that's the first thing I cut. Mm -hmm. I was like, Nope, because one of the problems with this card <clears throat> is the decks that don't mind sacrificing creatures, like the sacrifice lists that I love to play. They don't have like these super awesome cards that win the game. Like, what am I going to get with it? Like, Oh, maybe I steal your thing. And then I play this, and I go get, like, a Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good, but, like, I don't know. Is that better than deadly disputing your thing and drawing two cards and making a treasure token? I don't think so. No. Like, yeah, you, <laughs> like play, this is really bad. Yeah, deadly <laughs> dispute or village rights, but, like, being up on cards is better. Like, you just be up on cards. So Yeah, deadly dispute, you're up on, like, a treasure token, you're up two cards. Mm -hmm. Like, just amazing. This card is, like, Probably 90% of the time I'd be going to get Fable because that's just the most powerful card in my deck. And it's like, maybe maybe I get Mayhem Devil, I guess. Yeah, probably I get Mayhem Devil. But it's like, that's pretty good, I guess. But it's like, this card's not good when I don't steal your creature and use your creature to do it. Mm -hmm. like, it's just so slow. And exactly, like, it, that's just the point. The decks that can afford to pay this cost can't make use of the effect that well mm -hmm. tutors are really good in like combo decks, decks with a lot of different yeah combo decks mm -hmm. are where they they really shine they tend to be decent in like toolbox based strategies right where you have a you, you need to react to anything you see and you have a whole bunch of different cards to go get uh, yeah that could be useful in different situations like i don't know this and this like you said the sorcerer speed kills it too now nah, just wasn't on it and it you know doesn't doesn't help its case the cards like 15 dollars or something at the moment i was like yeah. there's just no way i'm playing this no. card um and the list i was copying had like no fables in it so i was like all right well i know where the first fable's coming from <laughs> <laughs> it's from cutting that piece of crap yeah uh yeah excellent choice don't craft this card, guys. No. <laughs> don't don't play it in draft. Don't pick this card. Um, yeah, just, just You should just steer clear of this card. Um, it's cool when they have, like, really old reprints that used to be powerful or whatever. Uh, love when they do that. Yeah. But that's, that's about all this offers. Exactly. I, I like it, too. Um, it's really fun in Commander and all those, those things. But it's just not going to be great in these formats on Arena. Maybe in your historic brawl deck, so have one, I guess. But that's it. Yeah. So my choice for overrated, this is something that I've just been seeing. I was doing some research earlier today, like what decks are people playing? And this deck seems like everywhere. I don't totally understand it, um, but the narrative I'm seeing is all about over-the-top 
And I'm seeing, like, over the top is busted. Over the top, like, best card ever in bro. Like, and I want to, like, throw my hat into the ring here and say, like, don't craft over the top, guys. So <laughs> over the top is a five mana, or seven mana sorcery, five red red. Each player reveals a number of cards from the top of their library equal to the number of non-land permanents they control. Puts all permanent cards they revealed this way onto the battlefield and puts the rest into their graveyard. Okay, so what are we doing? We're making a bunch of treasure tokens, we're making a bunch of blood tokens, we're making a bunch of whatever, like any way we can to get extra non-land permanents onto the battlefield. Then when we cast this, we get way more perm, like our permanent advantage over our opponents, because every card in our deck except this is permanence, like, gets, you know, explodes. Like, oh, I get, like, 20 permanents and you get four or something. Guys, it's a seven-mana sorcery. Mm -hmm. You're playing a deck that's all permanence. Like, I get, I understand that this is very good with Fable of the Mirror Breaker, because that card generates a lot of non-land permanence, and it's just a very good card. But... Don't craft this card, guys. Don't fall for the hype. Don't fall for the hype. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm i so glad you read this card because I had seen this and people say stuff like that. And as soon as I said, I looked at it, and it said five red red. And it said each player. And I stopped reading and I went to the next thing because I'm like, <laughs> nope. Uh, whatever the fuck yeah. that is, I'm not. Uh, I'm not about it. So Zach's just looking at his spell pierces and like, I don't have to worry about this. No, no, it's yeah. I'm I'm not playing against this. No, you're gonna be dead by then. Or like, you just no. It's you don't want to be playing this. I don't know what red deck wants to be playing this. Really, like, don't. I don't know. Seems terrible. <laughs> yeah, and generally with big sorceries and stuff, you want to defend it with. Thoughtseize style effects or like like spell pierces of your own so you know mm-hmm. you can cast it but this wants you to have all permanence in your deck mm-hmm. so um, no no this it might be fun so if you want to build a fun deck that's like semi-competitive there we go this is like you know this is the perfect uh let's mtg goldfish deck here right um you know you might actually win some games doing this thing and, but if you want, like, a deck that's going to stand the test of time, you're going to want to keep playing it for a while and, you know, actually have a reasonable win rate into the higher tiers, this is not... Yeah, this is this is exactly the kind of thing where uh, you, you see a streamer play this deck that seems really cool or, uh, or somebody's playing this deck that, oh, that seems so fun, it's so different, and I get to show it to whoever on Arena that this is, that even these cards can win. It's like kind of, mm-hmm. except for in Arena, all the cards cost the same, so why are you spending your resources right. on a card that's not strong where you want yeah. to, you get rewarded for playing decks that can uh, put up a fight, so just, just focus on... Yeah those things and if you happen to get Unless a, you just love this type of stuff yeah. it's your cup of tea yeah go for it um but like don't don't craft it because people are saying it's good yes don't do that. that's that's a you put that's very well put yeah um i would build this deck if i already had the over the tops uh that i just found mm-hmm. if they go last in draft i'll pick it up you know from all the seals you're doing to practice exactly that so kind I'll of stuff a few yeah of yeah it just happens and then it seems like a fun thing to try and i'll definitely try it I'm not going to use my resources to build that deck, though. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jeff. Underrated cards. I'm ready for this one. Um, Okay. Don't steal mine. You probably know what it is. 
Oof. Do I know what this is? I don't even think I have one that's actually underrated. I just want more people to talk about it because they aren't talking about it. Um, they probably <laughs> are. But uh, let's... Uh, you already kind of hinted at it. Uh, but, ah, no. Is this underrated? Whatever. I don't give a shit. Uh, Audacity. I love Audacity. Uh, Jeff is recording okay. on it right now. But it is uh, a single green mana for another aura. And it says enchanted creature gets plus two plus zero and has trample. And then when audacity is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card. Um, so this is basically Rancor. So you were talking about Rancor before. It has this. It has the same text, except for instead of Rancor going back into your hand when the creature dies, you draw a card. Now, there are some subtle differences with the way this card works and the way that Rancor works. Obviously, Rancor is nice because you get the threat back that you wanted, and you always have the aura that's really great. You aren't going to just draw a land, possibly. But the other thing that happens in these aura decks is that sometimes you have a bunch of the enchantments, and you don't have any creatures. And so sometimes just drawing cards is better because you need to make sure that you might have more audacities in your hand that you kept or more of you know card B, and you need more of card A, which is creature. And so being able to draw a new card that's fresh and isn't just another aura could be helpful. Also, if people happen to destroy a bunch of enchantments or destroy the actual enchantment, you still draw the card. It's not just the creature dying, which a lot of these cards will say. Uh, it's when this card goes to the graveyard, not the creature. Yeah, um, Disenchanting this is a rough play. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't disenchant it because they'll just draw a card. Um, Unless you have to because you're going to die. I mean, yeah. You need to take away the trample. Maybe you have a disenchant. You got to. But yeah. That's tough. Uh, but I am interested in this deck. I'm interested in these, like, uh, either Simic enchantments or Celestine enchantments uh, are, are decks that, uh, you know, I've been tooling around with. I know I've talked about Ivy a little bit. I don't know if I leave. I was just waiting. It's like, when's he going to I know. I knew. I know <laughs> you're going to say that. But um, uh, there are Celestine enchantment decks already. Uh, so having a, a different like aura like this could be helpful. Or, um, you know, playing just slots perfectly in my Ivy deck. So, of course, I'm going to have to add it and try that one more time. Um <laughs> But uh, I'm just, I'm happy. I'm a, I'm a happy camper with this audacity because uh, the great thing about this as opposed to Rancor is that this actually works with Ivy where Rancor does not because the copy that you would make that goes on Ivy won't go back into your hand, but it will draw you a card if it's audacity. So there you go. Oh, there you go. Yep. Uh, yeah, this card's pretty solid. Like I like when they make auras where... Like, part of the problem with auras is, has always been that... Cards. Uh, yeah, you get two for one. <laughs> mm -hmm. And unlike equipment, for example, like, it, you get two for one if they kill the creature, which is what they want to do anyways. So it's like, unless the aura protects the creature or it's or replaces itself, it's it's hard to convince me on them. And they've noticed that in recent years and, like, have gotten much better at designing auras that are, like, I, you know, you actually want to play now. Mm -hmm. um, so I like this, and I like the nod to Rancor. I think a lot of what you said is true. Generally, this 
I think it's safe to say generally this is worse than Rancor. Yeah. Um, on average, you know, there are situations where this will draw you a creature when you needed one, like you said. Um, but on average, like redrawing the Rancor, which is generally one of the better cards in your deck, is going to be better than a random card. Um, but yeah, this is this is good. If there's if there's an enchantment based aggro deck out there, like a green enchantment based aggro deck, sure, why wouldn't it play this? You know? Heck yeah! I will say that uh, not getting any real benefit from Jukai Jukai Naturalist is a real bummer here. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it to be cheaper. But. Yeah. Hey, putting it on a Naturalist, you get to gain life when you trample over them, so that's nice. All right. Yeah. I'll accept that. Yeah. It also helps with um, the uh, message, the, what's the one drop that just puts counters on stuff but doesn't have trample? Boom. Sometimes that deck needs more trample. Yeah. The generous visitor. There you go. Yep, that's right. Generous visitor. Mm -hmm. So, might have to. It's true. Sometimes that deck does just need trample. Mm -hmm. It's like, all I have to do is kill the Kami of Transients and I'm fine. Yep. Because <laughs> everything else just I gets can just chump block with my 1-1 one, one construct tokens. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, there we go. Audacity. Love it. All right, Jeff. Boy, let's, let's, let's hear it. All right. I had so many choices for this because, like, I think everyone knows Phyrexian Dragon Engine is good. But I don't think they know how good it is. They're just not getting the respect it deserves. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. But in the end, I had to go... There, there was only one real choice here. And this is a card that you pointed out mm-hmm. to me. This card is called Blanchwood Prowler. This is one in a green for a 1-1. One, one. When it enters the battlefield, you mill three cards. You may put a land card from among the cards milled this way into your hand. If you don't, put a plus one, plus one counter on Blanchwood Prowler. This is as close to Seder Wayfinder as they've given me in years, and I am going to try to make use of that. Not seeing anyone talk about this card in Constructed, but that deck I was talking about earlier that's trying to mill itself and just mill it into value, well, it's because I want to start with four of these. So um, I think this card is good, pretty, like quite good it is not Seder wayfinder four cards is a lot better than three and you generally don't care about the body so like all right i sometimes i'll get a two two if it whip mm-hmm. whiffs generally don't care about that but um it also gives me a little bit of hope that maybe we're pushing in the right direction here and i'll get Seder wayfinder back in standard one day but uh, you better believe there's going to be some jund decks there's going to be some sultai decks even though we don't have even though sultai doesn't isn't like a three-color combo that's supported at the moment. We're going to be doing that with some flashback cards. Um, yeah, this guy's going to be at the core of a lot of decks that I build. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm excited to try. I almost audibled in <laughs> Pioneer to a Sultai deck that I was calling Eight Finder and has four Wayfinders and four of these. And it plays <laughs> like Dig Through Times and stuff. And it's just trying to value you through that. But I decided I probably shouldn't bring... I, I've done this too often where i bring a totally untested rogue brew to a tournament and like you know go like three and two or mm-hmm. <laughs> or like two and three drop or something and just like well that was fun but i probably should have i wonder what would happen if i brought a real deck. yeah so i resisted the urge this time oh that would have been funny but uh it's right i'm expecting uh the tournament that i've never played the format for to uh, go very badly for me but i'm i'm ready for it i'm excited <laughs> can't wait um 
All right, so that is our worth the slots for the Brothers War. Um, uh, always fun. Uh, we're gonna look back on these. I love worth the slots. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna look back on these when we get to the next set and see how great we did because we're gonna do great. Mm -hmm. That's why I, I plan it to be yeah. great. We do try to hold ourselves accountable for these. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I don't think we've ever said anything ridiculous, like put a card pretty high that was awful. Mm -mm. Our, what we tend to do is like miss cards that were really good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what happens. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll have to find out in the future. But for now, let's go to last call. Uh, it is time to rate the beers that we drank tonight. On a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the tears in the arena. Huh. Look at that. Um, this has nothing to do with what tier you are in currently. All the tiers reset every month. Everybody's in different tiers at different times. Depends on how much you play or how much you care about it. Uh, and the, the more I've been playing, the more I've, we've been just doing uh, events. So our tiers are, look really bad now. Um, yep. <laughs> so now it's just a fun way to rate beers. So don't feel bad when we say that bronze beers are fucking trash. They're horrible. You can't drink them. You have to pour them down the drain. Uh, they're half of my home brew this this time around, where I have to I have to literally pour out half of my home brew because it's that shit. So. Oh, that's too bad. Mm -hmm. uh, silver beers, one tier up from Zach's home brew. Uh, these are beers that are basically just uninteresting macro brews tend to worm their way into this category yeah. uh gold beers are fine but you you forget that you've drank them before uh but you liked them when you had them kind of but meh. <laughs> i can totally relate to that have i had this i feel like i've had mm -hmm. this but i don't remember uh, platinum these are solid beers you would have these again you'd remember that you had them before and i was like that one was good mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed I that. Like that one uh diamond beers are exceptional you really like these beers these are ones you go back to over and over again and ones that you might bring to a uh, magic night or a tournament uh where you're like hey you try to give your opponent the beer before they start the game so they might like you a little bit more and make some mistakes oh is that our strategy Ooh. for this pioneer is that legal <laughs> is that are there rules we'll get kicked out yeah. so fast <laughs> And they'll take our beer. No, be that would be the bummer. worst part. <laughs> uh, Mythic is the best of the best. You love this beer. You would travel to get this beer. You'd recommend this beer to basically anyone who would listen. Have we made our choices for the evening? Because I, I, I think I know which one I want. I'm, I'm ready. Are yeah. you ready? All right, here we go. Got the can in my hand. <clears throat> Three, two, one. High grass. Ah, uh, ales of the crypt. I brought I brought the can down, so I don't have it. That's to reveal, that's so. totally fine. Wow. All right. Let's. Uh, we split it. I was kind of expecting that to happen, um, but let's hear your your reasoning for high grass. Why Why was this your favorite? Um, high grass was pretty good. I was being super cognizant of it while I was drinking, so I have I have my thoughts in line. Um, I did get lemongrass mm -hmm. and a little bit of ginger definitely that herbal like tea aspect that you were talking about it was in my estimation like fairly easy drinking just with those notes so i think i was asking that it's not too harsh on those but they're still there i think they did hit that balance 
weirdly, the part for me that wasn't there was the saison part. It didn't really taste like a saison to me. It mm-hmm. tasted almost like a lager or just a basic like ale that's been thrown that these ingredients have been like hot, uh, steeped in or mm-hmm. something. Um, generally, a saison has a little bit of funk to it from the like wild yeast fermentation in like a farmhouse kind of thing. You know, that's like what I always think of with the saison is like. Some someone in the French countryside, like in their farmhouse, brewing beer, and because it's like hot and weird, you get some interesting flavors, but they still work. I uh, didn't really get any of that with this, so doesn't necessarily mean it's not a saison. But I was really hoping for that punch to balance it out a bit. It, at this point, it was just kind of like a a light beer that has these sort of floral characteristics that uh, I was able to identify possibly because they told me what they were. Um, but, yeah, just hoping for a little more on the sort of funky uh, farmhouse end of things. Mm-hmm. But the lemongrass and ginger, I thought, delivered fine. Yeah. I I did like it as well. I actually got a weird, like, um, metallic taste. I don't know if it was from the can or something, but uh, at the beginning mm-hmm. of it, I was like, this really feels more metallic and, like, iron forward than I was expecting. Um but the ginger comes through, lemon comes through. I definitely agree with everything you said about saison, but I'm not saison for whatever reason is not my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. It might be some of the funkiness. Um, uh, they they can always be a bit hit and miss, and I I did like high grass, um, but it uh, just I didn't like it as much as ales from the crypt. There you go. Yeah, no. uh, I'm gonna give it platinum. I'm gonna say platinum too. I liked it. Um, it's uh, definitely probably the best one we've had from Second Wedge, I think. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. The first, just the iron bit at the beginning, I think might just be a weird can thing. I think the beer itself mm-hmm. was good. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was happy with that. But Ales from the Crypt, Candy Sour. Oh, this, is, this, is how, uh, this is what I've been missing from Sours, is this beer. And... Um, <laughs> And I don't want to talk myself up on ratings because I know where I want it to be. But um, I do get kind of upset with sours that are too tart and too puckery, you know. Um, and that's mm-hmm. what a lot of breweries tend to go straight towards is just like add more sour. Just make their mouths like turn inside out. Uh, and I just don't think that that's that's what I was expecting with the candy sour because that's what warheads are like. That's what Sour Patch Kids are feel like those kinds of flavors. And this felt a lot smoother and a lot closer to some of the sours I like at Blood Brothers, which has the wine in it. Or sorry, the, the grape skins. And so that's probably why I'm leaning towards it. And the reason you're probably not going to like it is it's because it's juicier than other sours. Um, so I know I, I took a sip and I was like, I know just not going to like this one, but I'm going to like it. Um, but, uh, it's, it's probably one of the better mascot beers I have. Oh God. The more I, I did it again, I did it again. I talked to myself. Yeah. I was like, he says that, but he's going to talk. Himself. <laughs> I talked myself into it. Um, if I had three more of these, I'd drink them right now. Yeah. So I'm probably going to say diamond. This go- I like this beer. Oof. Yeah. I, I like this beer. I want more of it. Um, I will uh, have to remember that that's a good one for mascot. Yeah. I definitely, what you said about, um, like it not coming in as, as strong on the, uh, tartness 
as I was expecting. That's the first thing I thought, because I was expecting warheads, mm-hmm. like you said. When you say it's a candy sour ale, like I'm thinking, oh, okay, so this is going to taste like a warhead. And then it's it doesn't really at all. It has like a little funky kick, a little bit of juiciness, like you said. Um, so I don't know if that like threw me off or that was a good thing because I, I didn't really want liquid warheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it definitely, like, I was not expecting it. Because I feel like when you call it a candy sour, that's like, true. okay, this is, true, true, this true. is a serious sour. Um, I think the part I didn't like that much was the lactose. <laughs> I know they said it, like, four or five times <laughs> or whatever. But I definitely note, like notice it. I know that mm-hmm. lactobactylus taste. And for me, it had this weird aftertaste that I was just like, interesting. I actually think I would like this if it just didn't have the lactose. But then maybe that's what's mellowing it out. Yeah. Too. So I don't know. It, it definitely has that like, I don't know. Me, for me, like no matter what people say, the whole like uh, milkiness in beer, I just don't think it's that good. <laughs> I don't like it. It's like everyone who tries to make banana and beer work. I've never had a banana beer that didn't suck. Well, that's because bananas um, suck. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with milkiness. Um, I, I know what you mean, but I think that I actually like this the the smoothness of the the lactose. Um, most of the time, I get worried because I think that lactose might be bad for my stomach. But this is totally uh, totally good. So anyway, uh, where did this land for you? How far down are we going to go? I was gu- I was going to give it gold. That's what I thought. Totally. Yeah. What I was expecting for... It's a big discrepancy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's normally what we get from sour beers on the show. Anyway, it's time for closing time. Uh, if any of you want to talk to us about what you think about sour beers and what the best ones you like, best ones you like, Jesus, I'm so not used to doing this. It's been too long. Uh, anyway, if you want to talk to us and talk about how I can't talk... I don't know. You can reach us <laughs> at Arena Regulars on Instagram and Twitter for as long as Twitter is alive. You may also find us on MTG Arena itself under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. If you want to talk to me personally, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zulberg. That is Z E U L B E R G. But Jeff, where can they find you? I'm not going to plug my Twitter anymore. I don't really use it in the best of times. And now that Twitter's in this downward spiral, <laughs> I probably am never using that account again. Pretty safe to say. So the best place to find me is on our Discord. Join our Discord. The link is in the show notes. And you can find me just posting pretty much any of the channels. And they'll respond to you. I'm a regular Jeff in our Discord. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Follow us on Spotify and leave us a review there. Any place that you're listening to us right now, um, just write in what you think of the show as long as it's good if it's bad don't leave us a review just go away <laughs> if it's if you have if you don't like the show you probably didn't get this far so whatever um <laughs> anyway we really appreciate those and it helps us a lot with the podcast and and getting it to grow yeah uh, so yeah this has been the arena regulars reminding you the diabolic intent sucks good night That's fine.